Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Amen. Let's take our Bibles. We're, we're in our series from Wednesday night called For the Record, and we are, we are undoing biblical myth understandings, common myths about the Bible, and been walking through lots of things uh, the last few weeks, and I've got some other things I want to talk to you about. Now, some of you, this, uh, this first part, you might not quite Maybe you're newer to the church and newer to, to the scriptures and things like that. But for others of you who have been in this a long time and have uh, come out of some things as far as a legalistic kind of mindset in church and religious mindset, maybe this will help you tonight to undo some things that maybe you were taught at an early age and, and, and were actually quite fearful about. Two of those things being addressed are two mentioned on. Pardonable sins. Anybody ever get afraid that afraid if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Am I the only one in here that struggled with that, wondering if I had or hadn't? Or Jesus said, if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, not only will you not be forgiven in this life, but in the life to come. So it's like, well, okay, God, I hope I don't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's one thing I don't want to do for sure. And the other one was, if you don't forgive others, you won't be forgiven. So let's get into the Scriptures about this tonight. And let's find comfort in the Scriptures. Amen. That's what they're here for. Yeah. And... Let's, let's go to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, where we see the mention of what's known as the unpardonable sin. All right? Matthew 12, 31, this is Jesus speaking. And he says, therefore I say to you, Matthew 12, 31. Jesus says, therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men. Aren't you glad that every sin's forgiven? as well as every blasphemy. I don't know if there's a separation between blasphemy and sin. I thought they were, it was all sin, but that's good to know. But the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Wow, okay. Verse 32, anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. Wow. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. What is Jesus talking about here? And why is it specific to the person of the Holy Spirit? You can say whatever you want to about me. He says you'll be forgiven that, but if you talk against the Holy Spirit, there's no forgiveness there. All right. Now we're going to back up and find some context here. How many of you love context, you know? Okay, that's good. Uh, chapter, same chapter, verse 22, all right? Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind, and mute. This guy's got some trouble, man. He's got problems. He's demon-possessed, he's blind, and he can't speak. And he healed him so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. Praise God. Aren't you grateful for Jesus? All right? He and an encounter with Jesus changes lives. Verse 23 and all the multitudes were amazed and said, could this be the son of David? Or what they were really saying is, is this the Messiah that was promised? Next. 
Now, when the Pharisees heard it, now listen to this. What did they say? Could this be the son of David, the Messiah, the long-awaited for? But look what religion does in minimizing him. This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. They all have British accents. Religious people all have British accents. That's why we left there and came to America. <laughs> now, when the Pharisees heard it, they said this, this fellow, wow, does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Next. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Abraham Lincoln didn't make that up. This came from Jesus first. Okay. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? All right, next. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they, your sons, will be your judges. Verse 28, but if I cast out demons by the who? Spirit of who? Otherwise known as the Holy Spirit. Surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Verse 29, or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless the first binds the strong man and then he will plunder his house? Verse 30. He who is not with me is against me, and who does not gather with me scatters abroad. Now let's go to 31 again. Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Okay. Now we need to jump over to Mark's gospel as well, and he gives a pinpoint reason or a pinpoint description of what the blasphemy of the Spirit is. I think that we can kind of surmise what it might be here tonight, right? They said whatever Jesus is doing is of the devil. They called the work of the Spirit of the devil. Mm-hmm. All right? Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, Mark 3, 28, the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies, blasphemies they may utter, verse 29. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Watch, 30. Because they said, he has an unclean spirit. That's what the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is. That's why you never have to fear whether you're going to do it or not. To say that Jesus has an unclean spirit, and that his work is not the work of the Spirit of God, to call the work of the Spirit of God the work of the devil. That's the definition of the blasphemy of the Spirit. Don't you feel better now? All right. It's just important that you just look through the Scriptures and find out what the Bible has to say, and it, it, it takes all the cobwebs out, takes removes all the confusion. Then this next, does this help you tonight? This next unpardonable sin, all right, that we find in Matthew 6. My grandmother used to tell me this all the time. To try to get me and my brother to stop fighting. One was, don't go to bed mad. 
Don't let the sun go down in your wrath. And she used that scripture out of context. But, you know, I appreciate my upbringing. Matthew 6, remember I told you what the sun, not the sun, the sun not going down in your wrath means. It means don't stop being angry. It's what it means. Get angry and stay angry. Nor give place to the devil. Were y'all here last Wednesday? I'm not getting any amens on that. I thought y'all would be like, yeah, we knew that because you taught us that last week, Pastor Eric. Right? Joshua said, son, stand still. He did not let the sun go down on his wrath until the Amorites were completely and utterly destroyed. Right? This is what Paul's referring to. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. In other words, get angry and stay angry at the devil. Never let the sun go down on your wrath. Amen. Okay. The other thing, I mean, that's a pretty good principle to live by. Don't go to bed angry. That's pretty good. All right? Not, not altogether scriptural. All right, Matthew 6, verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so my grandmother would try to scare me. And not just my grandma. I'm not just picking on my grandma, but, you know, also our legalistic pastor that we had years ago would do the very same thing. All right? Dangle us over hell. Jesus said, if you don't forgive, God's not going to forgive you, so you're going to forgive others, okay? And at one time, my, my family, that, that was the truth because under the context of, it was all under the context of the law. Even most of Jesus' teaching was under the context of the law. We need to understand that. We won't understand Jesus' teaching unless we first understand what Paul taught us. Then we get better understanding of what Jesus' teaching was and really understand that most of it was to the Jewish people. And you're grateful for that, I can promise you that, because you still have your right hand. And you still have your right eye, even though they've offended you. Because if you're going to really follow Jesus, you'd be cutting that right hand off a long time ago. Okay? So a lot of his teaching was under the context of the law. And this is also under the context of the law. You do this, then you get this result. All right? That's the law, right? You do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. You, right? You get blessed. You do good, get blessed. Get, do bad, get cursed. That's the way the law works. If you forgive me their trespasses then you'll get forgiveness. If you don't get forgive, then you won't get forgiveness. Now, let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Everybody say a better covenant. We've been given a better covenant. Better covenant than that old covenant. Much better covenant. One that Jesus ensured. It says, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Oh, Okay. Okay, now he says, now you forgive not to be forgiven. Now you forgive because you have been forgiven. Glory to God. How many of you believe that's better? Huh? That's a lot better deal, huh? Even as Christ forgave us. Colossians 3.13 says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Wow. Look at Colossians 2, 13. I've given them lots of scriptures. Of course, we're, this is what this is about in the Bible, right? All right. And you, being dead in your trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. When did he do that? When you were dead in your sins. Wow. He forgave you when you were dead in your trespasses. You see that? He did this long before you ever responded to him. He just decided to forgive you. He made a choice. Ephesians, listen to this. 
1, verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Wow, forgiveness comes not because we forgive others. Forgiveness comes because he's gracious. You're forgiven because God is gracious, not because you forgive others. Under the law, that was true, <laughs> but under grace. Uh, Romans chapter 4. I hope this is helping you tonight. You might want to write this down. Faith is the access to the forgiveness of sins. That's how you get your sins forgiven. They already are forgiven, but you're not going to know that until you believe it, until you receive it. Faith is that. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, who's justifying the ungodly? Well, there's only one person that can do that, God, right? This is what makes grace so much greater. You know, you know why grace is greater than sin? You know what makes grace greater than sin? I mean, how effective was Adam's sin? <laughs> how effective was it? It had every man and woman, mankind, every person on planet earth was affected by that sin. Right? Wow. So then the scripture says, by one man's disobedience, death came to all much more by one man's act of obedience. Many are made righteous. Well, how is it much more than all? I mean, Adam affected all men. How did he get much more than that? Well, because Adam's sin is like this. It comes under this, that, that Adam did wrong, and so then therefore he reaped the consequences of that wrong, which was what? Death. God said, in the day that you eat of that tree, you will surely die. Right? So that happened. When Adam ate that fruit, the light on the inside went out, right? It went out. He was lost in darkness. And every man that was born after him was lost in darkness. No light. Dead in sin. So it affected all. Because a man did something and reaped the consequence of that action, right? But grace is different. The reason grace is so much better is Jesus did what he did and justified the ungodly. Now that's what makes grace greater because, because sin says the ungodly get the consequence of death. But Jesus said the ungodly get justified because I want them to be justified. That's what makes grace greater. Jesus is there with the woman with the, caught in adultery, right? And everybody under the law said she deserves to be stoned because we caught her in the act. She deserved to be stoned to death according to the law. They were right. Right? She did wrong action. She gets the consequence of that action. But Jesus said, okay, whoever's without sin, get to throw in the rocks. Well, all of them are like, oh, well, shoot. Okay, well, I'm not perfect. Okay, and they all left. And the only one that is actually qualified to throw the stone, the only perfect one is standing there. And he says these gracious words, not words of you sow, you reap. He says, I don't condemn you either. I have the right to throw the rocks, but I also have the right to justify you. So I say that you're not guilty, even though you're guilty. See, isn't that, isn't that better? Grace is so much better. Aren't you glad you're not reaping the consequences now? Jesus reaped the consequences for your sins. He was forsaken. And by his act of obedience, that's what this exchange life is all about. God credited you with his obedience and credited him with your sin. This is what David, or this is what Paul is saying, but to him who does not work, this is not of works, this is of faith, 
but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. God, you have to get that. That's the gospel right there. He justifies the ungodly. That's what makes it such good news. This isn't anything that we can earn. God just chose to justify the ungodly. And you receive that by faith. His faith is accounted for righteousness. In other words, Paul taught us faith without works is righteousness. Verse 6, just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Everybody say apart from works. Verse 7, thank you, you're a good class. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Verse 8, blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin or hold your sins against you. You're that blessed man that David was talking about. He didn't know that reality in his time. He was looking toward our day. He was looking to your, to your day. I hear people say, oh, I wish I lived back in the Bible times. You know, you know if they're all looking at you going, man, I wish I lived where you live. You don't want to be on this side, the other side of the cross, burial and resurrection of Christ. I can promise you that. You have another uh, better covenant. Look at Acts chapter 26. This is Paul giving, giving uh, an account of his testimony when the, when the Lord met him on the road to Damascus. Verse 15, so I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. Verse 16, but rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive, what? Forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So, say this, I am forgiven. Therefore, I forgive. I don't forgive to receive forgiveness. I forgive because I am forgiven. And of the many, 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 many sins that we've committed, it's going to take a lifetime to catch up, to try to forgive others as much as we have been forgiven. So you got a whole lifetime, all right? To try to out-forgive God, not going to happen. Uh, freely you have received, so freely give. Amen, Pastor Eric. Okay, Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Everybody good? Did we talk about Jesus? Being poor yet? Part of the way. I just remembered that. The fact that he wasn't poor, actually. Okay. Okay. Maybe we'll get into that. But I want to talk about this for just a moment. Another one of those, those fun scriptures. Verse 15. I know your works. Now, Jesus is speaking to the church of Laodicea. Make a friend of that word tonight. Laodicea, all right? I know your works that you are neither hot or cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are 
lukewarm. Poor Luke. <laughs> and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit or spew you out of my mouth. Wow. You know the scripture that says, in Psalm chapter 34, verse 8, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Yeah? Well, he's got, you've got something for him to taste too. All right? And he likes things a certain way. I mean, isn't it just kind of miserable when you take a sip of that coffee after it's been sitting too long? And it's neither hot nor iced. But, yeah. Jesus is not, now, let me say this. Maybe some of you are raised in, in youth, because youth ministry is where this is preached a lot. Right? God either wants you hot with the Holy Ghost or cold, dead in sin, but nothing in between. Really? God wants people cold, dead, in sin? He would rather you be that way? No, that's not what it's, this is saying. So this isn't a church who's in some, necessarily in some evil sin, caught up in some evil sin. How about this? This is a lazy church. All right? So, because especially back then, we don't know this reality that it, takes a, it took a lot to make something hot or it took effort to make something cold. Either way, it took effort. Lukewarm can be lukewarm just all by itself at room temperature. There's no effort there. You set a glass of water out on the cabinet, it's lukewarm, right? This is what he's saying. I know your works. You're lazy. That's what you're saying. That's what he's saying. You're lazy. I'd rather you be cold, rather you be hot. I need something good to taste. But you're giving me nothing. Not your best. You just think about, now I'm not here to, to throw stones at anybody, but I want you to think about for just a moment, church, how we, how we approach church. How we come into the house of God. How we worship how we give, how we serve. Is it hot? Is it cold? Because this is what he's looking for. Somebody who is making effort. Somebody with a grateful heart that's saying, I'm giving you my best. Not just in here, but out there too. Right? He just happens to be talking to the church here. Huh? Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, the Scripture says. Whatever you do, do it with your whole heart to the Lord. I don't want to be. I don't want to offer him something that I've made no effort in. Hmm? I don't want to be God vomit. <laughs> All right. Can I say it that bluntly? Too late. I already did. I, I just... This gift of life we have, let's not forget who gave it to us. Hmm? Let's not act like we're in charge. Huh? 
Let's remember we're bought with a price. Our life is not our own. We belong to Him. We're accountable to Him. Hmm? And this gift of life He gives us, and what we do in this life is our gift back to Him. Hmm? So give generously. Vernon Marshall has taught me that a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. It's one of the, his staple verses. Think about that. A generous man devises generous things. That means he's cold, calculated, generous. He's a generous in the first degree. He's thought it out. He's planned it out. He's not just some whimsical giver, and that's not so bad either, but he's thinking about it all the time. What can I do for the Lord? What can I offer him that would please him, that would bless him? What kind, of, what kind of sacrifice can I give to him? Well, one of the greatest things that we can give to him that's pleasing to him, the Scripture says, is the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. Why don't you just offer up right now a sacrifice of praise to him? Just let the fruit of your lips be a thanksgiving. Thank him for his goodness. Thank him. Just think about the good things in your life. Think about your family. Think about his provision in your life. Think about his protection Think about his healing power in your life. Think about, think about his, his restoring power, things that you thought were lost forever, but somehow God turned those things around. Think about his delivering power. Think about his grace. Oh, how about his goodness right in the face of you doing evil, huh? That God was good regardless. God was kind to you, and that kindness kept pulling you back to him. He wasn't, he wasn't condemning you. He wasn't angry with you. He was patient with you. He was kind to you. He was long-suffering. He was waiting for you. He was believing for you. Are you hearing me tonight? Come on, let's just, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord. Some people didn't wake up today, but we did. We did. We got another day today. Thank you for that. Hmm? Thank you, Lord, that when tonight we will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, our Lord, make us dwell in safe. Thank you, Lord, that all of our children will be taught of the Lord. Thank God that it doesn't all depend on us. <laughs> all of our children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be their peace. I'm grateful for that. Thank him that wherever you go, his favor's there, surrounding you as with a shield. So that before you arrive at a place, his favor already showed up on your behalf. Anybody see that in your life? Anybody expect that? That where you go, he goes because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Thank thank him that he saved you so thoroughly that the Holy Spirit feels comfortable to live inside of you. Whoo! That's how thoroughly righteous he's made you. Thank him that he doesn't see you like you see yourself often. Scripture says that we were enemies in our own minds. But in his sight, we're holy, blameless, and above reproach. It's time we start seeing us like he sees us. The only way you're going to do that is to look into that word of God on a regular basis and choose to believe that so that you can experience that and not just see yourself as a walking contradiction. All right, he didn't give us his word so that we could go, man, my life sucks. <laughs> right? He gave us this word so that we could come up to it. 
so that we could rise up by faith and experience the Bible experience, experience the life that he came to give us. He shows us in the scriptures what life can be. What do you want? This, this, is, your, this is what I have for you. This is your inheritance. Glory to God. Probably shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. Wow. Tonight, why don't we just bow our heads for a moment? Jesse, why don't you come up and play something on the keys for just a second? I just, I, I just sensed, and the Lord just stopped me here to pay attention to somebody here tonight. It might be more than one, I don't know, but I saw, I saw you down on the ground and pushing to get back up. I mean, just didn't get very far, and you hit the ground again and pushed to get up. And you, I mean, couldn't even get on your feet. You feel like you can't even, can't even get on your feet. You just keep falling, falling. You lack the strength to want to. You've lacked the strength. <laughs> feel hopeless in your situation right now. And the Lord knows that. He knows that. And not only does he know that, but he also knows that there's a solution, there's a provision, there's help for you. There's strength. And I just want to quote something that the Apostle Paul said, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll reap if you faint not. And the scripture also says that though the righteous man fall seven times, the Lord raises him up. All right? You might be down right now whatever situation that, that, that looks like. Let him lift you right now. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. All you are heavy laden. All you who are overburdened. All you who are weary. Let me give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am meek. I'm lowly in heart. I'm humble. And my my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Let's make an exchange here. Cast your cares on me because I care for you. And then you take my cares. Let's just make an exchange tonight so that the weak can say, I am strong. Huh? That the poor can say, I am rich. The lost can say, I am found. this is speaking to you right now, I just want to pray for you. Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just, just between me and you and God, let me just see if, I'm, if this is you that you're dealing with this hardship right now. You're facing it. Thank you very much. It seems like this is a continual fight, a continual fight, and you feel like it's one step forward and ten steps back. But tonight, that is changing. In the name of Jesus. If God is apprehending us to talk about this right now, then that means he is bringing victory about for you. He's planned it, and he has prepared it for you, and tonight is the change. Tonight is the moment where things change in Jesus' name. This is no more the same way. No, he's here to intervene in your situation and to be that fresh wind in your life, to be that hope, to breathe hope into you again, to renew you 
as the scripture says, that you will mount up with wings like eagles. You'll run and not grow weary. You'll walk and not faint. This isn't just about you just getting to your feet, limping along. No, this is about you soaring. Hallelujah. This is about you running. This is about you walking strong. This is your Father's will for you. In the name of Jesus, I right now in Jesus' name, I thank you that every Every plan, scheme, and plot of the devil has come to nothing but utter failure in Jesus' name. No weapon that has been formed against them will prosper in Jesus' name. Every tongue that has risen against them in judgment, they can, even if it's their own tongue, in Jesus' name, we condemn that and say, you will not prosper. These are the children of God. These are the strong of the Lord. They will be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might because it's not by might, it's not by power, but by His Spirit. And we thank you right now, God, that you are a very present help in time of need. So from this day forward, things are different. I thank you that you demonstrate and show yourself strong on their behalf where they've not been able to be strong. The Apostle Paul said, I'd rather boast in my weakness because it's in my weakness that his strength is made perfect. I'm not going to try to say I am somebody that I'm not. No, I'm going to say who he is in me. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even my faith. Let me encourage you today. Walk by faith, not by feelings, not striving in your own strength. Believe in Jesus. Believe in his power. Believe in his grace. Believe in his joy because his joy is your strength. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Let it be. So be it in Jesus' name. So be it. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.